Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, I'm going, to be read, I'm going to read the first three verses and then we'll pray. You can follow along on the screens with me or you can turn in your Bible to Luke 24, 1. The Bible says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Which Day Do You Focus On? Look at somebody and say, Which Day? Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together, Lord. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection. We believe And we are sure that you're alive. And I pray that you reveal yourself to us today by your power. God, I pray that you would teach us from your word by your spirit, Lord. Teach us what you'd have us to know. God, I pray for every person in the room today that you would give us an ability to focus on what you would have us to hear. And I ask you to have your way and do your work as only you can in Jesus' name. Amen. Which day do you focus on? Now, how many days in the week are there? How many of them end in Y? You notice how many people hesitated? <laughs> there, so if, if, <laughs> if there's seven days in the week, how many choices do you have to choose from to figure out which day you're going to focus on? There, How many days in the week? You are living in one of those. Now, I'm going to narrow it down for you. I'm only going to talk to you about three specific days this week and I want uh, this morning, and I want you to pick which of the three days that your life is manifesting most greatly. So be thinking about that with me this morning. I'm going to be speaking, and I want you to be listening. Before I preach, I want to share a miracle with you. I want to share a a real-life miracle that happened to uh, me and my youngest son this uh, weekend. Some of y'all have already seen it on Facebook, but... With uh, my oldest only having one year left in the house, and he wants to travel and do a lot of things with his life, which are going to require that he uh, pack a George Foreman grill in his car and live in his car or a hotel room. And so I I told him, I said, before you leave, I'm going to show you how to cook some simple meals uh, so that you won't starve to death uh, if you don't have money. And so a couple of weeks ago, uh, so I've been almost three weeks now, I went to Publix and did something that I never do. If you know me, you know we eat out every single night of the week, uh, the month, and the year. It is very rare. If we don't eat out, it's because I told them my back's hurting too bad, get cereal. Because there's cereal usually in the house. If you see me at Publix in Oakleaf, you know he's getting milk, he's getting cereal, and he's getting something else that comes in a two-liter bottle, and I'm usually getting four at a time. There it is. So that's my grocery list, uh, but I made an exception two and a half, three weeks ago. I went in there, and I got a few packets of uh, boneless, skinless chicken breast. 
and I got a big bag of spinach leaves. I got some apples. I got some oranges. I got some uh, sunflower seeds, and I got a big bottle of the only type dressing. I'm tired of waitresses asking me what kind of dressing. Listen to how I'm talking and tell everybody in the room what kind of dressing does somebody that sound like me put on their salad? That's all. What do they put on their fried okra? Onion rings? Everything? Pour some in the bathtub? I mean, what are we talking about? So, you know, I had to get, listen, Hidden Valley Ranch dressing. Stop faking it. You know, there's just certain things you can't waste money on. Uh, uh, you, you can't skimp on everything. Listen, skimp on your children's clothes if you want to, but you better get Hidden Valley Ranch. Skimp on birthday presents if you want to, but you better, you better get some Charmin toilet paper. I'm just trying to help somebody. Uh, there's certain things that ain't worth skimping on. So I got the Hidden Valley Ranch dressing. So I made it. I took, the, I took the, the spinach leaves out. I put them in a big bowl. I chopped up some apples real nice. I chopped up a couple of orange slices real nice. I, I threw all that. I, I grilled some chicken on, on the George Foreman grill. I covered it in sunflower seeds because ain't nothing like sunflower seeds. And, and then I just drowned it in ranch dressing with some uh, George Foreman grilled chicken on it. And the kids were like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. We can eat that all the time. And then so the rest of that stuff just stayed in the refrigerator and went bad. <laughs> Friday night, Jake was off with his friends, and Seth and I were home alone, and Seth didn't really feel like going anywhere to eat. I said, well, you know what? There's, there's some of that old chicken left in the bottom of the refrigerator. Because, you know, when you don't buy groceries, you don't put nothing in the freezer. I mean, I don't ever really put anything in the fridge. It's the first thing that's been in that bottom slider drawer in years. Oh, I forgot. That salad also had big, giant, uh, the dark purple seedless grapes sliced up and put in it. That, that salad was banging. Uh, but so I told Seth, I said, well, I, I, I can make that chicken. You know, I got a, a pack of that chicken left. There was two in the bottom of my refrigerator, boneless, skinless chicken breasts. I said, I'm not going to do them on the Foreman grill. I, I'm, I'm going to do these in the oven. I'm going to flex out some culinary talent. I, I'm, I'm going to get out. But... You know when your little bottle of uh, seasoning stuff is all stuck together? It probably got some age on it. You shake that stuff up, it loosens right up. It sprinkles right out. Man, I took everything we had. I, I don't even know. what uh, I don't know. Adobe, a boyo, something, Mrs. Dash, garlic, salt, onion, salt, uh, a, a gallon of olive oil. I coated all that stuff up, seasoned it to death, because I'm tired of people that don't put any seasoning on their food. White people. <laughs> Took a picture of it. You look at that chicken, you'd be like, man, there's more sprinkle on the top of it than chicken. You're going to accuse me of that. Um, I, could, I put that stuff in the oven, 400 degrees, cooked it for 25 minutes. It came out awesome. Uh, I, I, I threw on some uh, sh uh, dark sugar barbecue baked beans and, and so, uh, some garden variety uh, vegetable mixed in some rice. I thought, you know what? I've been mocking these Facebookers that put their food on Facebook. I'm like, I'm taking a picture of that. 
Brother them flexed out in the oven. I left the George Foreman grill alone. Total transparency. It's dirty, so I didn't use it. Uh, <laughs> that's a different issue. So I take a picture of this chicken, and then I eat it. Seth and I eat it. It was awesome. It was just right. It wasn't rubbery. It wasn't dry. Everything was banging. Everything was on point. We knocked that down at about 10 o'clock at night because, you know, we're, that's who we are, and eating dinner at 10 o'clock at night, and we're, we're both fine. Then I got to thinking. Chicken's been in that refrigerator for a minute. <laughs> now, I, I got it at Publix in the little the paper tray with the, pa- the what do you call, cellophane across it. I'm thinking, what? how long chicken good in the refrigerator? <laughs> so I went and looked in, in, at, the, at the best buy date on the label. Now, this was the 19th. This was Friday. The best buy date on that chicken was April 10th. I thought, April 10th, well, you know, if it was milk, I'd still drink it. Worry about no expiration date. Uh, But then I thought, but I wonder how long chicken, you know, because they say chicken, you know, disease. So I looked it up. I Googled, and you'll get the same result. You Google, how long can unfrozen chicken stay in the refrigerator? Anybody want to know what every website has the exact same answer? One to two days. Two and a half weeks. Now, when I took my mallet out, because I get down when I cook. When I took, my, when I took that, that beater mallet with, with the little knobs on it, and I was flattening out that chicken, because, you know, it's thick on one side and it tapers down. I like my chicken to cook even. See, this, this is how chefs do stuff, right? Uh, he's a professional chef, and I cook once every nine years. I beat that chicken down. Uh, it helps the seasoning get all into it. Uh, I thought it beat flat pretty easy. I mean, it went flat pretty quick. It made me get to thinking. I'm like, it said one to two days, never past the best by date. Uh, promises of all types of cramping, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, food poisoning. I'm like, all right. I told Seth, I'm like, all right. I called my sister on the phone because she knows everything. I'm like, what do you think? She said, get a trash can. Y'all about to be sick all night. You're going to have food poisoning. This is no joke. This is chicken. And so, and it's crazy because when I was making the salad the, 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 the two weeks before when I first bought the stuff and should have thrown it in way after that, um, I was telling the kids, now, when you take this chicken out, you got to be careful. Don't set it down on the counter. You got to wash your whole counter. Take it and take it straight to the trash can. Wash your hands. You don't want this chicken. I got chicken up to my elbows that Friday night and... So I'm, I told Seth, I'm like, yo, bro, you better take a, uh, a bucket with you to bed. And I told him about the chicken. He's like, Pfft. Dad, we eat out every night of the week. Uh, we, we've had worse. I said, well, son, we've had worse food. I don't know that we've had two-and-a-half-week-old raw, uncooked chicken yet. Um, so I prayed. I did not lay down in full faith. I kept thinking, you know, your, your mind will play tricks on you because, you know, I, I like to eat. You can look at me and tell. I didn't get this fat staring at food. I eat. And 
so, so it's not uncommon for my stomach to growl. But I'm laying there thinking about vomiting, and my stomach growled. I'm like, oh, there it is. It's coming. I'm canceling out my faith prayer already with all my stomach's growling. Where's my bucket? And I, I went to sleep, never, never, never had a cramp, never had a stomach problem, never, never got sick. Seth never had a cramp, never had a stomach problem, never got sick. You say, that ain't no miracle. I tell you what, go on my Facebook. Because I, I decided the next day, I'm like, this is a miracle. So, w- once again, to show germs don't really mean that much to me, I dug through the dumped out beans and the dumped out rice in the trash can down to the bottom, got that little tray of chicken, folded the label flat back down, took a picture of it, put it on my Facebook. And, and it's, it's got some, some, some beans and some rice on the label with it. But uh, I put, took a picture of that date. Uh, 410 uh, 2019. Now, if you don't think that's a miracle, that chicken at Publix cost uh, $5, I think, and 89 cents, if I, if I, something like that on the label. If you don't think that's a miracle, here's my pre- pledge to you. I'm going to give you a present on Easter 2019. I'm going to give you $6 to cover the tax. Amen. I'll give you 10 to get your gas money to get it together. You go buy it. No, let me buy it because I don't trust you. Uh, I will buy a two-pack of boneless, skinless chicken breast from Publix on Oakleaf. You put it in your refrigerator unfrozen uh, for two and a half weeks, and then you eat it nine days past the best buy date, and you tell me how sick you get. Do y'all know that? That is a real live 2019 miracle. I never even burped after that meal. See, some people can't see God in anything, but people who are happy in the Lord see God in what? Let's get into the Word. We, we come today to celebrate Easter, and I hope that Easter has a significant meaning to you. I hope that for many of us it has a much deeper meaning than for our unchurched friends and neighbors throughout the world, because for most people, Easter, uh, the, the thing that's most significant about Easter is three things that stand out. The Easter bunny, getting new clothes, and going to church. I'm not mad about any of those things. I mean, I already told y'all, I ain't mad about chocolate. You can look at me and tell I like to eat. I, I'm not mad about candy. I love candy. Uh, I, I like, I, I don't know why only one time of the year do, do they make these hollowed-out Easter bunnies? You want the best Easter candy? Peeps is okay, but you can eat marshmallows anytime. You got to get that hollowed-out Easter bunny with the big ears. Okay, chocolate, all chocolate, hollow center. You got to put that thing in the refrigerator or the freezer for, for at least a day so, so it'll be crunchy when you get it. And there ain't no joy in the world. Now, this might say more about my psyche than, than, than what I want you all to know, but ain't nothing funner than biting the ear off that, that rabbit and looking down and through its head. And then just biting his head off. Uh, and and I, I, I got no problem with the Easter Bunny. I've got no problem with, with candy, new clothes, going to church. But I hope for somebody in the room, Easter is bigger than those three things. As Christians, we, we celebrate Easter as a time of remembering the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for us here at Abundant Life, because we're a Bible church, we do a lot of Bible study here. We, we take time to study the Bible in depth, and we realize that the very reason why God's people gather together on Sunday for the last 2,000 years and not on Saturday as they had done thousands of years before that is because after Jesus rose from the dead, the apostles gathered together on Sunday to 
uh, remember and celebrate his resurrection. So for the world at large, Easter is a time where they think about the resurrection of Jesus. But for us here at Abundant Life, we, we celebrate resurrection of the Lord every Sunday together, but we ought to celebrate every day in our personal lives the fact that Jesus is alive. Amen? But this is, we're talking about Easter, um, and, and these are different things it means to different people. And I understand that unsaved people will never truly understand why those of us who are living, living a Christian life do what we do. Uh, and, and, and the reason for everything that we do uh, or we don't do should find its meaning in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, think, think about it like this. Why would any thinking person give up their only day off to spend that whole day going back and forth to church? People don't get that. I, and I've had lost people say, I, I just can't give up my only day off to come to church. And I don't expect people that don't get it to that don't get it because if you don't know, you don't know. Uh, but, but think about it this way. Why would a th any thinking person pray to a God they can't see? That doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But to those of us who are saved, uh, it makes sense to us because we know that our God is alive. Why, why would any thinking person voluntarily give more of their own money to the church than they pay in taxes every year because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Why would any any thinking person, any, any, any unsaved person, why would they stop drinking, cussing, lying, cheating, whoremongering, fornicating, spending 12 hours a day on Pornhub? Why would... I'm just looking for you. It's just come to me as I'm saying. That ain't in my notes. Uh, why, why would people stop doing the things that they've stopped doing? Uh, it's not out of an attempt to look like better people if you're real in Christ, it's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Has the resurrection changed anybody this morning is what I want to know. If you ever realize that the true meaning of life is to be found in the risen Lord Jesus Christ, all the things that we do and all the things that we don't do as born-again believers will make more sense to you. But thinking about Easter, Easter should be a time where we reflect and realize how different our religion is than every other religion. I remember years ago uh, when Dr. Vines was still at the First Baptist Church downtown, and uh, I think it was the second one. Uh, one of the Bushes was president. Uh, I think it was the second one. But uh, he went. Uh, there was a lot going on with Islam and Christianity, and uh, Bush had gave his speech about it. And Dr. Vines stood up. And he said, and they recorded it, and he caught a lot of heat for it, uh, because George Bush, uh, it, was, it was the second one, he said that Christianity is better than Islam. And people were all offended, and they were all like, oh, be careful, you can't say that. Uh, let me tell you something. Um, the Atlanta Braves are better than whatever team you got. That's, the, that's my opinion. That's what I believe. That's how I feel. Uh, the Boston Celtics have won more titles than any other basketball team in the history of the world. You, you can ride the back of a loser if you want to. I'm just telling you, the New York Yankees, not even my team, but they're the premier organization in all of baseball. They won more titles than any other team. Uh, there are some things that are just real. And listen to me, Christianity is better than Islam. Uh, uh, because one's a real religion and one's a lie. But Dr. Vines went on, and he, he, they asked him what he thought about the president, saying, oh, how could you dare say that? We must be tolerant. We must be inclusive. We must be diverse. Do you know none of those things are, are truly at their core Christian 
ideals. You know, Jesus told people, if, if, if you don't come to God through me, you're a thief and a liar. Well, that's not very open-minded and tolerant. Jesus said, I'm the only way to get to heaven. That's not inclusive and diverse. But they asked Dr. Vines. He said, absolutely, Christianity is better than Islam because Islam is based on a lie. It's a cult, and it won't get anybody into heaven. And the whole world got shook and, 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 and shocked. I, I hope that you know Christianity is massively different than every other religion in the world. I, I'll, I'll give you the big reason why. Uh, Muhammad is said to be the founder of Islam. You could go, uh, if you had enough money and enough time on your hands, to the ancient city Medina in Saudi Arabia where Muhammad died in 632, and you could find that his body is still buried there. Okay? These are facts. Yeah, uh, Buddhism was founded by an ancient prince who came to call himself Buddha, and you could go to India and find a place where he was buried, and you could find out that his body remains are still there. But the Bible tells us when the followers of Jesus Christ went to the place where his body was buried, they found out it's not still there because he's not in the grave, he's alive. See, Christianity doesn't serve dead uh, uh, figures. It doesn't serve dead deities. It doesn't serve false gods. It serves the true and living God. Let's get into our text in Luke 24.1. It says, but very early on what morning? Sunday morning. Sunday became significant to the followers of Jehovah based on the events that we're looking at this morning. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. I'm not going to preach long and hold you long today, but I want to remind you, the stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. He walked through walls. He walked on water. He's not bound by time, space, or eternity. The, the miracle of the stone being rolled away was not to help Jesus because Jesus needs no help. The miracle of the stone being rolled away is that so human eyes could get in and see he ain't here no more. And they go in and, and they, they go into there. They find a stone had been rolled away. We should be on verse 2 on the screen. Verse 3 says, so they went in but didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, this was puzzling to them, but this is glorious to us. This, this was hard for them to deal with, but it is foundational to Christianity because Jesus had promised that he would be delivered into the hands of sinful men. There he would be crucified, buried, but on the third day he would rise again. They should have known that. He told them that repeatedly. They should have known. He ain't in that tomb. He said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll rise it up. He said, on the third day, I'll rise again. They should have been looking up uh, when they were looking in. I want you to know, if you don't get anything out of today's message, get this. Some of y'all can't find real joy because you're looking in the wrong place. Mm. I'm going to keep going. Verse 4 says, as they stood there puzzled. They shouldn't have been puzzled. They should have been high-fiving. Just like he, he said he'd do it and he did it. No. But see, we forget. Say we forget. We forget. Most people don't need to learn anything new about God. They need to remember what God has already said and what God has already shown them. He'd already told them, but they're puzzled. 
And then two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. Verse 5 says, the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. They didn't understand what was going on. They should have been celebrating, but they were confused. Uh, and that, that's the problem with, with so many people today. We come to church, you know what we should be doing? Celebrating. We come to church wearing our problems, wearing our dilemmas. We don't make the church the sanctuary where we can forget your troubles. Come on, get happy and, and realize that when we come into this place, the presence of the Lord is here. He promised for the corporate gathering where two or three are gathered in his name that he would be there in a unique and in a special way. They should have been celebrating. They should have been rejoicing uh, just like so many people now. You come into a place where you should be looking up and celebrating. Uh, and, and in churches, it ain't just our church. Y'all wonder about our church. It's, it's churches all across the world. People sitting there. The, the, the choir could be singing the most bumped up. Oh, happy day, whatever song they want to be singing. And, and people, oh, happy day, oh, happy day, when Jesus was. That's not celebration. That is looking down when you should be looking up. That's looking around when you should be looking up. That's not carrying the information that you know you should be carrying. They knew that Jesus, they had been told that Jesus would raise himself from the dead. They should have been walking in there. And listen, here's a lesson for you. They should have been walking in there the same way you should walk into church every Sunday. I'm about to get my celebration on. I'm about to get my praise on. I'm about to get fired up and happy. I'm about to be around some people who believe what I believe. And, and we know what everybody else doesn't know. Uh, they, but they weren't there yet. And the women bowed their face to the ground. The men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? Do you know, I, I've had people tell me, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm a thinker. I'm an intellectual. I just can't accept one religion. I study all religions. You are looking among the dead for something that's alive. I want to recommend to you, if you want an Egg McMuffin, stay out of Hardee's. Now, if you want a good breakfast biscuit, now you can go to Hardee's. That's a different story. But if you want a Whopper, stay out of McDonald's. You, if you got to look in the right place for the right stuff. They, they're in there, he said, why, why are y'all looking? You're looking here like you're trying to find somebody who who is, is, is dead, that, that's alive amongst the dead. It doesn't work like that. Verse 6, they said the, the, the three greatest words, if we can count that contraction as, as one word, he isn't here. That's three great words. I give you three more great words. He is risen. You need to get a he is risen mindset. You need to get a my God's alive mindset. You need to understand, if he can beat death, hell, and the grave, he can get me through Monday. He said he's, he's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? Thick-headed, slow-thinking, mouth-breather? Oh, no, that, that was not in the Bible. That's just what I hear. Verse 7. That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. He's been telling them this. this. This is the thing. He's been preparing them for this. He's been training them for this. And in verse 8, say ding, ding, ding. Ding, 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 ding. Then they remembered that he had said this. 
You need to have a ding, 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 ding moment in your life. You need to have a moment in your life where you might have to reach all the way back. Uh, I know for me so many times, Dean and I, uh, we weren't taken to church uh, as, as little kids. We were sent to church as little kids. Uh, remember that bus? You remember that bus crash uh, in uh, Virginia where that, where that car drove into the side of the church bus? We were on our way home. Man, you're old. Uh, as me. Um, we, we would sing songs on, on the church bus. And there's so many times. I wasn't even saved then. But I heard the voice of the Lord in those songs. Uh, you don't remember the, the countdown song we sang on that bus every week, 10 and 9, 8 and 7, 6 and 5 and 4? Uh, so many times I'll reach back and I'll remember things that have been said to me about God and find inspiration and strength and hope and life in that. You need to find something that the Lord has said to you, something that God has spoken to you. It doesn't matter if you can quote 20 verses or or 20,000 verses. You need to have some part of a verse that you can hold on to, that you can say, this is what God's saying to me, and I get strength from it. They remembered. They, the light went off. They're like, yes, I remember that. I want you to remember this morning. If you saved it all this morning, if you've ever claimed that you love God in your lifetime, I want you to reach back as far as you can, as far as you have to go, and remember a time where you knew that you knew that God had been good to you. Anybody ever been there before? You knew that God loved you. You cried those tears. You had listen, you get real close to God. You can't get you can't be pretty on God. You can't come to God pretty. You, I mean, you can come to God pretty, but he's gonna mess that up. Uh, thank God men, uh, well, let me say real men don't wear makeup. Uh, but ladies, you get too close to God, you about to get you about to sway your eyes up. You're about to get your makeup undid. You're you're about to get into a mess. Why? Because when you think about his goodness and all that he's done for you, your soul is going to cry hallelujah, and your eyes are going to leak, your nose is going to run, and you're going to have to pull off the side of the road and just have your own Holy Ghost party. But you got to remember some things about the Lord. When you remember stuff, it'll make you do stuff. Verse 9 So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. Do you realize that this is the call of God on your life? To go tell everybody else what had happened? God is a creator. The devil is an imitator. You can find a portion of truth in almost every massive uh, current cultural cliche because what God sets out for good, the devil and people want to come mess up. See, we're supposed to tell people what those last three words say. Now, if you've been alive at all ever before right now, you have heard thousands of people say, even mockingly, or some so deep in it, they mean it with their heart. Well, you see, what had happened was, what had happened was, our job is to tell people what had happened. 
Now, I'm not talking about telling people what had happened when the cops pulled you over and you wasn't doing nothing. Well, I was only going 20 miles over the speed limit, but I wasn't going the fastest. Uh, and they wouldn't even found my weed under my seat if they hadn't stopped me. Uh, uh, so what had happened was uh, we take what had happened and put the wrong twist on it. I want you to know if you are saved, it is your job. It is your commission. You're on a commission, a mission with Christ to go out and tell the whole world what had happened in this time. And they went and they told them. They told them, listen, this, this, this is what happened. We went to that tomb, and, and they, they, these angels looked like men. They were shining in bright garments. They, they reminded us that Jesus said that he was going to die, but he would rise again. Y'all remember when he said, oh, ding, 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 ding? And we need to have some of those moments in our own life. I, I believe as Christians, we need to constantly remind ourselves that he's alive. He's alive. Man, I, I, I went on a throwback. I don't even remember if it was yesterday or the day before. But I, I, I told y'all, y'all, y'all that know me, y'all know I don't listen to the radio. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't listen to current music really much. When, when, I, when I listen to music, I put on one song on a loop and listen to it over and over and over and over again. And all those songs come from a long time ago uh, and songs that meant something to me. I, I threw a bunch of them up on Facebook. Anybody see some of the songs I threw up on Facebook? Oh, man, it ain't the, grace, it ain't the greatest singing in the world. It ain't the greatest music, music in the world. But, man, the words to it, the words to it. That dude, I don't remember, Don Francisco, whatever his name is, he said, he's alive and I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm out there. I'm done. You don't even have to say anything else right there. I just had church, and, and, and all I need to do now is lay on the ground and cry and tell God how thankful I am that he forgave me for my sins. We need to remind ourselves that he is risen. Uh, I love old hymns. They, they sing about Scripture. They're, they're doctrinally based. I, I love that uh, some old songs I like. Uh, that, that song that says, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because what? You got to get a he lives mindset. You got to get that in you to the point where it starts coming out of you. You got to get that in you to the point where it starts affecting your daily routine. So where you're just not shot out and blown back and thrown off by every bump in the road. I, I, I mean, it's crazy. It is just crazy. Oh, my God! Uh, the, the, the band, my favorite band broke up. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I like, I, I, I don't really like him. I don't care. He's a good actor. I, I like the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, uh, but what that, the dude in the Fast and Furious. Well, Vin Diesel is the dude. Uh, but no, the dead guy. Paul Walker. Paul Walker, when this dude died, People stayed home from school. People put all over their social media, I can't get out of bed. I've been crying for three days. I, I can't live without Paul. Anybody seeing that foolishness on, on the social media? It was everywhere. And I'm thinking, this bro don't know you. You all shot out and through dealing because Paul Walker died doing 185 miles an hour in a car while he was drunk? What are you going to do when life hits you in the mouth? And, and people get so shook up and so shot out oh, over the tiniest little things. I tell you what, if you've got a he's alive 
and he's going to get me to heaven mindset, everything else will just fall into place. Uh, Jesus has been raised from the dead, and the Scripture tells us one day we who are saved will be raised up to meet him in the air, and so will ever be with him. Easter's a celebration of resurrection. Say resurrection. But before we can get to Easter Sunday, because the Bible says that God is a God of timing. God is a God of purpose. The Bible says for every time and for every season, there is a what? Purpose. So we got to understand that God follows systems. God follows structure. God follows order. God follows routine. And before you can get to Sunday, there's a day before that, which is what? And there's a day before that, which is what? So before we can get to Sunday, we definitely got to get to Friday. And we call the Friday, two days ago, the Friday before Easter, we call it what? Good Friday. Now, I just said Friday was how many days ago? Two. If Friday is two, because you got Friday then and Sunday, that's how many? Friday, unless you rent a car from Enterprise, and that's how many? People who struggle to think, well, if he said three days, shouldn't he arose on Monday? Uh, well, he said the third day, and go ahead and rent a car. You, you know, you can rent a car for 18 hours and get charged two days. Go ahead, pick it up late on Monday afternoon. Take it back early on Tuesday. And you'll be studying them like, two days? I ain't even had this car 24 hours. Did you drive on Monday? Did you drive it on Tuesday? You're out. That's two days. Three days. He was in, he, 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 he was in the ground on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Rose on Sunday, but we got to get to Good Friday. Now, I want you to understand this. It's good. We call it Good Friday for us, but it wasn't good for the Lord. It, see, salvation is free for us, but it cost God a lot. God had to be willing to sacrifice his only son. Jesus had to be willing to go through the brutality of crucifixion. We call it Good Friday, but it was the most difficult day for our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most gut-wrenching portions of Scripture for me is... When I see Jesus on the cross, the Bible says the whole earth went dark. And theologians surmise that the reason why the earth went dark was because for the first time in the history of the world, God turned his back on his son. The fellowship was broken because the scripture says that Jesus took our sins and bore them in his body. So all the sins of Scott Becker were on Jesus at the moment of transition. All the sins of the whole earth were on Jesus at the moment of transition. And the scripture teaches us that the eyes of the Father are too pure as to look on sin. And when he turned away, the scripture declares that Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I want you to understand that as Jesus went through the betrayal in the garden, the crucifixion on Friday, the processing on Saturday, as, as he hung on that cross on Friday, uh, he had done everything God had asked him to do. And can you imagine your son looking at you and, and, and saying, but but, Dad, I did everything you told me to do. I never sinned. I never messed up. I did exactly what you asked me to do. I am here suffering. I am bleeding. I am dying. You're turning away from me. How? Why? And the separation 
was not good for Jesus. And it wasn't good for God. But it wrought our salvation. So we call that day Good Friday because the Bible teaches that before anything can rise from the dead, it has to die. And there's a lesson in there, but I'm going to keep moving. God's plan to forgive our sins is way different than my plan would be. There's just no way I would make, uh, see, people ask me all the time, well, well, why, why do you think that uh, it's right for God to do this? If, if God's so kind, if God's so loving, why are there starving children in the world? If God's so kind and God's so loving, why are there earthquakes and, and, and tsunamis? If, hey, listen, it's God's world. He gets to do what he wants to do. Well, well why, do, why do I have to be born again to get to heaven? If you want to get to the heaven that this book talks about, it's God's world, it's God's book, it's God's heaven. He gets to set the rules. And, and, uh, but he does it a different way. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. And listen, if you did me wrong, uh, if, if you did me wrong, now I, I've known Henry probably as, as long or longer than anybody in this building outside my biological family. Oh, it was good to see biological family in the church. Uh, but if, if this man who I love like, like he, 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 he is me, if, 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 he, if he did me wrong, uh, and and he, he was trying to make up, make amends to me. Uh, and, and I'm like, okay, well, he, here's what you need to do then. Uh, you just need to sit back and relax to make peace between us. I'll just take my son and I'll kill him. Well, I'll spread his blood out between us and that'll make us right. Uh, how many of y'all believe I'm going to do that? No. If God came to me right now and said, all y'all going to die and go to hell, if I don't punish my children, strip them naked, beat them so viciously that the Bible says their guts were hanging out below his groin to the point you couldn't tell if he was male or female. They stripped him naked, beat him, bloodied him, bludgeoned him, smashed a crown of three-inch-long spiked thorns down into his brain, uh, mocked him, spit on him. Uh, if you think I'd let one of my children go through all that just so you could find heaven, you don't know me. And you're not being honest about you. Because none of us would do that to our own children to make peace with someone else. But God said in Hebrews 9:22, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. If I was making this plan up, if I was making the redemption plan up, uh, it, it, it wouldn't have that. It would just be like, you know, say you're sorry, do 20 push-ups, buy me lunch, and we'll call it good. But I, it's not my world. I don't have salvation to give you. I don't have a heaven to put you in. God said this is how he's going to set it up. That's why for thousands of years in the Old Testament there was animal sacrifice. The priest would slice the, the throat of the animal on the Day of Atonement, pour the blood out on the altar, and God would bring forgiveness. What the Scripture says that there came a day when the blood of bulls and goats would no longer satisfy God's need for justice over sin, so he sent his only son as a one-time eternal sacrifice to pay for the sins of all mankind. Uh, I'm not letting my child die for you, but are you glad that God let his son die for us? Well, why? People ask me, why? Why has it got to be all this blood and guts and death? Uh, listen, this is the way God set it up. He said that this is what I will accept as payment because in Romans 6, 23, the Scripture says this, the wages, the payment, what you get for your sin is death. Now, that word death, in the Greek, is talking about an eternal, ongoing death. It's not just talking about being dying 
Uh, it's talking about uh, eternal, ongoing, continuous tense death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So the payment of sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? All right. So the payment for sin was paid by Jesus or it can be paid by you. The payment for sin has to be death. Somebody has to die because God has a need in his righteousness to have sin atoned for. So the payment for sin, somebody has to die. You can accept what Jesus did on the cross for you, believe in that, thank him for it, and uh, make him your Lord, or you can say, nah, I'm good, I'll pay for my own. I don't accept charity. I don't do handouts. Uh, I, when I get to heaven, whatever the charge is, I'll pay it. Well, let me tell you what the charge is. Eternal separation from God and everybody you've ever known. See, the Scripture says hell has torments. And if you've been around for any length of time, you've heard me say I love the specificity of the Bible. The, 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 the plurality of words, the singular nature of words is very specific. And the Scripture says hell has torments. It's not just with an S. It's, it's plural. It's multiple. One of the torments the Bible talks about for hell, it's its eternal separation in outer darkness where you'll never see another living soul again in life. But you hear the screams through all eternity. This is all documented in the Scripture. It's a place where the Bible says that the, the worm never dies and the fire never goes out. If, if the worms get your body in the grave in the natural, eventually they'll die in that coffin because they'll run out of food. The Bible says they'll never run out of chewing on you in eternity, and the fire will never go out. You light anything on fire, you leave it alone, eventually it'll go out because it, it's got to have certain things working. It's, it, it's got to have fuel. It's got to have combustion. It's got to be being fed. Uh, or When it stops, it'll go out. The Bible says in hell that the flame never goes out. The, 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 the fact that the payment for sin is death and punishment eternally is not something you really want to pay. I've had people say, well, uh, I ain't scared of going to hell. All my friends are going to be there anyway. There are no friends in hell. If you believe there's a hell, then your concept of hell originated in this book. This is the only book that we have that teaches us about the hell that people talk about and uh, in a perfect tense. And this book says of itself, there is no friendships in hell. There's only aloneness. Now, to me, because I have people in my face all the time pulling on me, uh, I value, and, and some of it's just my personality, I value my alone time. Any, anybody besides me and Dina and a couple other y'all, I value my alone time. Uh, and I'm like, man, what? I could do that. And, I, and I've always thought, because I, I've been to jail a few times. Uh, fortunately, I, they, they booked me in, and, and I was able to get out um, pretty quickly. But I've always thought, you know, if something, if something wild was to happen and I end up in prison, I, I'm, I'm going to just have to, you know, throat punch the guard and get put in solitary. Because uh, I, can't, I can't be doing no eight-man cell. Let's just be honest. Uh, no. That's ain't my flavor. Uh, I, I ain't even waiting to drop no soap. That just ain't me. I'm like Tone Loke. It ain't the 80s, but I'm still down with the ladies. This is not happening. Uh, I'm not doing it. So I'm thinking, you know, what, 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 what would be better in your natural, if you've never been to prison, what do you think would be better, doing a 16-man cell with murderers and rapists 
or getting in a cell all by yourself, using your own toilet, having a book to read, and being left alone. Don't that sound like a better option? But do you know the solitary is a form of punishing you beyond the cell? Because they realize you get left alone for too long, you start to get squirrely. Hell has torments, and I hope that you don't choose to pay for your own sin. If, if, if I saw you at a restaurant and you, you went to pay for your bill and they said, oh, no, uh, the dude that uh, you were talking to, he walked out, he paid for your bill. If you looked at him and said, man, throw his money in the trash can, I pay for my own way. You need help. You might not even like me, but, hey, take the free lunch. You better not find yourself paying for your own sin. Jesus has already paid for sin. We call it uh, Good Friday. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ also suffered when he died for our sins once for all time. There's not this continuing every year on the Day of Atonement, blood being poured out. Christ died for our sins once. And then listen to what it says about Jesus. And this is what we who are Christians believe. He never sinned. Now, see, that's enough right there for me to find out if you're really a Christian. If you're really a Christian, and I tell you, Jesus lived a perfect life, he never sinned. And you're like, oh, of course. Okay, well, then maybe you're saved. If you're like, well, what about his thoughts? If I say Jesus lived a perfect life, he never even threw a tantrum. Some of y'all, I, I came up in, in, in a tough situation. My sister was on, she was National Honor Society. She was president of her classes. She was always in student government. She was always on the honor roll. She always took the best classes. She was head cheerleader. She, uh, and, 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 and here comes me. That's the reason I went to crime. I'm tired of getting compared to somebody better than me. But think about, and some of y'all came up in families like that, where you're tired of getting compared. Think about Jesus, brothers and sisters, okay? Because if you believe these three words, he never sinned, do you think when uh, they, they were little and they were playing together and somebody tried to, you know, take his rock, because, you know, when you're poor, you play with rocks, uh, you think he pitched a fit, snatched hair out and screamed and hollered, mine! No. Now, here's the thing. If you struggle to believe that, you ain't saved. So how can you tell me that I ain't saved? Because you've got to believe the right things about Jesus to be saved. And if you're saved, it's because you have a Savior. If you're saved, it's because you have a Savior. And Jesus can't be a qualified Savior if he ever sinned. Never spoke back to his parents. You think Jesus ever rolled his eyes and uh, to his mom? You, don't you wish your kids would catch that spirit? Amen? Listen, Jesus say he never sinned, but he died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. This is the gospel. This is what Christianity is about. This is what we believe. We believe that Jesus lived a perfect life. He died for our sins. He, he, he had physical death, but he was raised from that. This happened, uh, his death happened on Good Friday. Good Friday was a hard day. Uh, I'm, I'm about to wrap this up. I got a, a video that's a couple minutes long. I don't normally use videos and props in, in church, but I, I just love this video, and I've just been watching this all week, and I, I want you to watch this video because I'll give you the punchline so you can be thinking about it while it's going on. Everyone in this room is going through something. Everyone in this room has difficulty. 
Everyone in this room is going through something and they wish that they could get to the other side. This guy, one of the greatest preachers in the whole world, the, the video is not right. Y'all, if y'all know me, y'all know, I'll, I'll tell y'all, Jesus wasn't blonde haired and blue eyed and he didn't have an afro and a, and a pick with a fist on it. Uh, he was brown from the Middle East. I, I, whenever they put these pictures of Jesus up, I'm, I'm always like, okay, don't get excited. That ain't how Jesus looked. But what he's telling people is Jesus was going through stuff, but it was Friday and Sunday's coming. I want you to watch this video. Play that for me, Elder. Think about stuff you go through. Think about what he went through.
Come on, put your hands together. For the God who went through Friday to get to Sunday. See, today we celebrate Easter Sunday. We talk about Good Friday, but nobody ever says anything about Saturday. Give me a few more minutes. I'm going to wrap this up. Saturday is not talked about a lot in the Bible. Friday happened. Every person on the planet believes Friday happened. Every person on the planet believes Jesus Christ was a real person. He's the most documented human being in the history of the world. More books have chronicled his life than any other human being on the planet. Everyone doesn't believe he rose from the dead. But every religion, every tribe, every nation believes there was this man named Jesus who walked the earth. Friday is sure in people's mind. Saturday is an in-between day. It's a day between big events. Um, it's, it's a downer uh, for many people. Uh, Saturday looks like the end of Jesus' life. Sunday, it's the big day. It's Easter. It's celebration. It's resurrection. The first century church, they grew fast not because of miracles. They grew fast because they were walking around telling people, I saw Jesus raised from the dead. Because the Bible says after he was raised from the dead, he showed himself alive to many people, and the church exploded because of resurrection. Now, a lot of people, saved people and unsaved people, are stuck in their lives on Friday. And here's my punchline. I want you to get, are you a Friday person? Are you a Saturday person? Or are you a Sunday person? Friday people, uh, they, they, they're, they're stuck. They, they know what Jesus did for them. But even if they're saved, their, their life and their approach is more about history than it is about victory. They can tell you about what they've done before and how they used to love God and how they used to be in church and how they used to do all these things and how God used to be real to them, but they're stuck on Friday. They're, they're, they're stuck on, on, on history without victory. Some people are stuck on Saturday. Uh, Saturday is a day where not much is going on. It's mundane. It's same old, same old. It's in a rut. It's uh, not much is happening. Not a lot of things to be excited about. I get up, I get down, but I'm, you know, it's just usually not a lot of churches or Saturday churches. Nothing really going on. They can tell you the history. They can celebrate the victory, but in reality, they live in the middle. And some, some of y'all are living in Saturday when we all need to live in Sunday. Sunday is a day of resurrection. Sunday is a day of excitement. Sunday is a day of new life. Sunday is a day of hope. But hear me good. Sunday is a long road to get there. Friday, it's a long way from Friday to Sunday. Why? It only sounds like a couple of days. Yeah, but Friday's real hard. And if you're stuck in Friday, life is real hard. Because Friday represents Death, it represents punishment, it represents abandonment, it represents depression, it represents rejection, it represents betrayal, it represents difficulty, pain, despair, aloneness. Friday is a hard day, and some of y'all are stuck in the hardship of life, and you're buried your mind in the hardship of life. You got your mind so wrapped around Friday that you're not anywhere near Sunday. But you got to get past Friday, say get past it. You got to get past Friday. You got to get, yes, there's rejection. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's betrayal. Yes, there's difficulty. But Friday can be gotten past. You got to get, after Friday comes Saturday. Some of y'all trying to jump from Friday to Sunday. It doesn't work that way. God's a God of order. And you got to go through Saturday. See, Saturday is a, it's a day of process. It's a day of knowing what happened 
before and looking forward to what's going to happen soon. Some of y'all are Saturday people. You're not living the victory of Sunday, but you've gotten past the misery of Friday. You're, you're kind of in a not a lot going on day. But Sunday is about life. It's about joy. It's about resurrection. I told you before, every Sunday is, is a Friday and a Saturday. And you got to get through your Friday. You got to get through your Saturday. And if you ever want to be who God wants you to be, you got to live in your Sunday. See, the greatest question that I can answer for anyone is how do we really get to God? And I'm going to give you the answer and get out of here. In John 14, 6, Jesus, they asked Jesus, where are you going? How are you getting there? And Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. There's not a lot of roads to get to heaven. Not the heaven that Jesus is in, because Jesus said, I am the way, not a way. He said, I'm the truth and the life. He said, no one can get to God except through me. So if you're one of those tolerant, open-minded, uh, inclusive people that think that everybody that's trying hard is going to get there, then you are rejecting Jesus Christ. And the God of Jesus Christ, who gave His Son to die for us, has made it clear to us the only way to get to heaven is through His Son, Jesus. And Jesus had His Friday. Uh, you have to have your Friday too. Jesus had his time where he died. He gave up his own will. Remember what he cried in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, this is going to be hard, this is going to be painful. Uh, if there's another way, Father, let's, let's talk about that. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He died to his, to his fear. He died to his pain. He died, he died to, to, to his own what desire. And you have to have that time in your life as well where you give up on your hurt, where you give up on your pain, where you just let it all go. And you say, whatever you want, God, I'll do that. The only way you're ever going to get to the joy of Sunday is to, is, is to go through your Friday. Jesus had his Saturday. Jesus had his Saturday in the tomb. There's not a lot told us about Saturday, but there was a process being worked out. The Bible says he that uh, uh, ascended to God first descended into the lower parts of the earth and led captivity captive. Jesus had stuff going on, but it was a process. Jesus had work to do between that acceptance that my life has, has to take on a, a different meaning. And then there's a process that you have to work through to get to your Sunday. Just like Jesus had his Saturday, you have to have your Saturday too. But you got to get through your process. You got to work through it. You, you, you got to, so, hey, listen, relationships that are real are mundane. This is why so many people don't understand real relationships. They leave church. They come to church for the goosebumps on the back of their neck, for, for the excitement, for the joy. They get all excited. But when they, when they, when they realize, going to church again on Sunday, I guess I got to come on Wednesday night. I got to get up and read my Bible every day, say my prayers. I got to live right, act right, do right, be right, give right, serve right. Uh, uh, that, that's just uh, over and over and over. Listen, real loving relationships are mundane. And hear this. They appear to be boring, but for the people that are in them, they're always excited. If your spouse has to do tricks for you 
every minute of the day. If they, if they got to serenade you, dance for you, if they got to create magic, if it's always got to be skyrockets in flight, afternoon delight, if you got to have something special every day of your life just to feel like they love you, then you don't really understand intimacy. Because intimacy looks boring on the outside. Because real love's about sitting on the same couch next to somebody and being glad you got them breathing your same space. Ain't that right, Mr. Douglas? Christianity is not always about bubbled up joy and excitement. Sometimes it's about process. But if you know he's there in the process, you're glad to be there with him. Some of y'all are in y'all Saturday. I want you to get out of Saturday. You got to die to yourself to get out of Friday. You got to do your process to get out of Saturday because Jesus had his Sunday. Jesus had his resurrection. And the Bible says that he's the firstborn of many. I want you to be one of those many. I want you you to be able to say like the old songwriter said, when the saints go marching in, I want you to be in that number. I want you to have your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want you to be waking up feeling like every day is a Saturday. I want you to be able to say, because he lives, I live too. I want you to know if he can beat death, hell, and the grave, he can get me through. I want you to get to the place where you are a Sunday kind of folk. You gotta have your Sunday. Some of you haven't even processed through his death. And the Bible says that we all have to be saved because we've all done wrong. The Bible says we're all sinners. We've all done wrong. There's no perfect people but Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Romans 10 9 and 10 that if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. See, that's the thing. You got to say it with your mouth and really believe it on the inside. We all believe in Jesus, but everybody in this room doesn't really believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive right now and he can hear the thoughts in your mind this very second. But if you can say openly with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and you can really believe on the inside that he uh, that that God raised him from the dead, then you can have salvation. How do you get it? Romans 10:13 says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you will ask God to save you. Now, here's the reality. I prayed prayers, walked aisles, got baptized multiple times. And it never was real salvation. It was church. It was emotion. I, I, I thought I was really coming. And, and the second time I walked in aisle, prayed a prayer, I thought I'm really coming for real salvation this time. Some of y'all are holding on to a prayer that you prayed, acting like that's real salvation when you know it is not well with your soul. The Bible says that the righteous are scarcely saved. If the righteous are scarcely saved, where are you going to end up? You got to think about these things honestly because too many people are holding on to a prayer that they prayed, an emotion that they had, a, a, a life that they tried to embrace that never really fully embraced them. And that's why for some people it's so hard to be in church and to live the Christian life. Because the reality is no one can live the Christian life but Jesus. And if he's not living in you, then it's just going to fade on you. See, the scripture says that you will search for God but only find him when you search for him with your whole heart. It doesn't matter how many times you've walked an aisle. It doesn't matter how many times you've prayed a prayer. It doesn't matter how many times you raised your hand, signed a card, made a commitment to God. If you're not 
100% convinced right now in your heart that you know for sure that if you were to close your eyes on this side of eternity that you would open your eyes up in heaven, you ought to search for God. And you ought to ask God to save you. Well, I've done it before, preacher, and it didn't work. Do it again. Do it again. Uh, uh, how many times does a person have to get saved? Well, really just once, but you got to get it right. See, if you ever get saved for real, you'll never have to wonder about getting saved again. Because the Bible says what God does, He does forever. So if the salvation you thought you had didn't last forever, then it wasn't salvation that God did. It was salvation that people did. And salvation that people do won't get you into eternity in heaven. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to make it quick because we're way over time. Here's, here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. I, I'm going to ask everybody, just bow your heads, close your eyes. I want Christians to be praying right now. I, I, I want everybody, nobody looking around but me. If you're here and you'd say, Scott, I don't know if I'm a real Christian. I don't know if I'm truly saved, but I want to be. I, I believe that Jesus died. On, on the cross. I believe that he rose from the dead, but I know there's 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 things in my life that I, I really need to get right with God. I don't believe that, that I'd make heaven right now. Uh, no matter how many times you've prayed before, I want to lead you in a prayer. Because the Bible says that if you'll seek for God with your whole heart, you'll find him. The Bible says if you'll call out to him in truth and in repentance, he'll save you. If you're really ready to be ready to be ready to make God real in your life, I want you to pray this prayer. I'm going to pray it out loud. I want you to pray it silently in your heart. If you want to get saved, now if you're already saved, you would be praying right now to somebody else to get saved for real. If you're already saved, you'd be praying to God to make you more excited about being saved. But if you're not sure about your salvation or you know that you're not saved, I'm going to pray this out loud. You say this in your heart. God says that you hear the thoughts in your head. The words of this prayer, they're not magic dust, but God knows your heart. And if you mean these, these words, I know God will save you because he did it for me. If you want to get saved this morning, pray this silently after me. Just, just say in your mind, God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he was and is perfect. And I believe he died for me and rose from the dead. Please forgive me of my sins and save me. Make me a real Christian. Change me and let me live for your glory. If you just prayed that or something like that in your head with nobody looking around with me, if you just prayed that and, and you really called out and you asked God to save you, the scripture says, whosoever believes in him will not be ashamed. The Bible also says this, that if you confess him in front of people, he will confess you on judgment day in front of the Lord. I want to give everybody who just prayed that prayer an opportunity right now to make sure that Jesus stands up for you in heaven. If you prayed that prayer, here, now, now here's what I want to do. Uh, uh, with no one looking around but me, if you prayed that prayer, I just want you to lift your hand up. Don't be ashamed. Say, I prayed that. Okay. Anybody else? I prayed that prayer. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. All right. Hands up all over the room. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Everybody look up at me. The Bible says this. He said, if you will confess me before people, I will confess you before my God in heaven and to not be ashamed of him. I'm not going to take the time to drag you down to the front this morning. Uh, we we, we want to we want to celebrate with you. Uh, we want to make sure that you follow the Lord in baptism. You can do that here. You can do that somewhere else. But the Bible says that if you confess him in front of people, he'll confess you on judgment day. If you just prayed that prayer and you believe that you meant it, 
and you believe God saved you, if you prayed that, I'm going to give you a chance to make sure Jesus will stand up for you. I'm going to ask you, if you just prayed that prayer and you're not ashamed of, of admitting publicly, I just prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. I asked God to save me today. I just want you to stand. I'm not going to have you come down front. I just want you to stand where you are. Just stand up and say, I prayed that prayer and I'm not ashamed of it. All right? All right? All right? Okay? Okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you prayed this prayer before. I want you to write today down. I want you to forget about every other time you thought you tried to get saved. And I want you to know for sure that you got right with God on Easter 2019. And God is real to you. And it doesn't matter what you feel on the inside because salvation is not a feeling. But what you need to do now, you need to get in a good church. And you need to get surrounded by people who will love you and will help you and will share Christ with you. Uh, you're, you, you're welcome to come here. You're welcome to go to any Bible-believing church in the world. But get it, get involved. Here, here's what I want you to do. I'm not even going to make you take you out and fill out cards and sign names. Normally I would do that. But here's, here's the thing. When I got saved, they didn't have to ask me to come back to church next week. If you really believe the decision you just made is real in your life, or if you made any type of decision, uh, I want to see you back next week. I want to watch you grow. I want to watch you become everything that God has purposed for you to be. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands, all you people. Everybody always wants to know, how many people got saved on Sunday? How many? I have no idea, but it was a lot of them. I hope everybody that stood up truly got saved. Time will tell. The proof's in the pudding. Read your Bible. Say your prayers. Follow God. He'll work everything else around. You fall in love with Jesus, everything else will work out. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.